I invite you to take just a moment and think for yourself, what's a word or a phrase, an image or a concept that, that you heard today in that gospel? Just let a word or a phrase or an image just come to your mind and hold on to that for a second. If we were a lot smaller group, we might let people shout out some suggestions. Let me offer some instead then. You know, we'd probably say something about humility and being humble. We'd probably say, well, we heard not to put yourself forward in social settings, to not be proud. We probably heard very loud and clear that there are people who need us and that can't repay us or our kindness and that we're to be attentive to them and serve them. Today's gospel is unique to Luke's stories. It's not found in the others, and it's rich with images and some practical advice for how to live out our lives. And I have to tell you the honest truth, when I saw that it was the suggested reading for today, I wanted to duck it. I'll say more about that in a moment. The gospel Today comes from the, the common lectionary or the shared lectionary. It's a collection of gospel stories that carry us through the year. And so we have the, the wonderful, you know, we have Christmas, we have the big celebration, we have Easter, we have the big celebration. And then week in and week out, we have these stories of Jesus teaching. Now, Jesus is a prophet and a, and a healer and a friend and a fisherman sometimes, carpenter, but he's always teaching He's always in word and deed demonstrating the power and the wonder of the kingdom of God. And so week in and week out, the scriptures present us these lessons and ask us to look at them and and wrestle with them. One of the reasons uh, I love the lectionary is because it challenges me to look at my life. I am not natively humble. Uh, In Glenn's email on Friday, he was quite generous to say that I was humble. Um, I know me, uh, and uh, and I would not categorize myself as as humble. Um, I am, uh, I covet power. Uh, I'm I'm hyper-competitive. A couple of people are laughing. If you know me, you know that's true. I have a a huge ego, which is easily punctured. It's the size of Texas. Uh, Again, you're laughing, but it's probably because you know that you've seen that happen. My very patient wife, Susan, is practiced at saying, your ego, your pride is your most expensive possession. But again, the lectionary has put this in front of me, and I said, well, okay, I'm going to wrestle with it and pray over it and, and see if there's a word from the Lord in it. That's exactly what Luke is doing for his community 2,000 years ago, too, as he's retelling this story of Jesus going to the, to the house of a Pharisee for a meal And you'll notice that right off the bat, we hear that key phrase, Jesus going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal. That tells us something right off the bat. You may know the Pharisees, of course, are a religious sect. They're like a party, if you will, in Judaism at the time of Jesus. Uh, There were others, uh, and they all had kind of competing uh, relationships. And and Jesus' relationship, we would say, with the Pharisees is at best complicated. Sometimes he's clearly a buddy, and they're partners, collegial, and sometimes they're adversaries. In fact, sometimes they're really adversaries, and he really gets on them. But you'll notice throughout the gospel that he's always talking to the Pharisees. He never gives up on them as he never gives up on any of us. So right off the bat, we have this 
image of Jesus going and trying to maintain and build this relationship. Practical application for today, I'm sure that you have friends like I do who have bailed off of Facebook or they don't watch the news or they've just tried to, to shut out all the negativity and the, and the polarization uh, that's in our culture at this time. Well, of course, that doesn't work for two reasons. First off, you, there's no place to go. I mean, we're, we are always in the world with all these other people. Uh, sometimes we like them better than others, but we're always on this planet together. The other thing is, as, as Christians, we're called, we're called to get together and celebrate. We're called to get together and pray. We're called to get together and eat and sing and do lots of fun things. We're also called to go, to live in the world. We are sent to be models for other people. I had a great example of that a while back. Uh, I was working with a family that was planning a funeral. And if you're not from Kansas City, you may not appreciate uh, the, the history that we have. There was a lot of anti-Semitism at one point, a lot of anti-Jewish uh, uh, sentiment here, and there was a lot of racism at one point. Uh, that's a whole other conversation. But um, this particular person had dealings with a lot of the folks who were involved in those things that we don't believe in. And yet, when you looked at this person's life over and over again, they did wonderful things in terms of working with the African-American and the Jewish community and with other people and with the poor. And so I said, I got to ask you, how is it that the deceased squared these relationships, you know, uh, on the one hand, hanging out with people who were oppressing other people and at the same time, you know, in their own life, exhibiting very different kinds of behavior. The family said, we always wondered that too. And so one day, as the person was was failing and they were kind of talking about the real things that you talk about when somebody is dying, you know, the real nuts and bolts, the real meat and potatoes of life, the challenges of life. They asked the deceased about that. And their ancestors said this. First, they were my friends. And second, I always tried to live by example. And they couldn't see my example if I wasn't around them. So we are to go. We are to be seen. Every one of us, all of our actions, our words, everything that we do speaks to other people about how we are trying to live as Christ in the world. You know, at the beginning of, of Jesus' mission, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. It is here for everyone. God loves everyone. Believe. Change your life. Essentially, Jesus is saying, if you don't like the way things are in your life or, or in the world, try this other way. It will work better. This is how God intended us to live. Then Jesus turns, and even as the people are watching him at the banquet, at this dinner, Jesus is watching the people around him. And he tells them this parable, this illustration about humility, about not clamoring for the places of, of power, for being, being up front. Now that works, of course, on a purely human level, and you've probably even heard that example in, in secular culture. But in this case, Jesus is not talking only about our relationship with the other people at an event Jesus uses a phrase which Luke's community and which we hear very specifically. He says, when you're invited to a wedding banquet, 
a wedding banquet, in this case, Jesus describes over and over this kingdom of God that's this wonderful party that's open to everyone as a wedding, as a banquet, as a feast, as a big celebration, this big party. So Luke's community, and we hear that, we're not talking only about secular or social settings. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. When you're invited to the kingdom of God, who is the host of the kingdom of God? That would be God. And God already knows us. And God already loves us. So there's no need to jockey for position with God because God already loves us. That allows us to be humble with the other guests at the banquet. Also calls us to be humble in front of God. Then Jesus turns back to the Pharisee, the person who invited him to begin with. And here's another message that's meant not only for the Pharisee and not only for Luke's community, but for our ears. He says, don't just invite your friends and those who can do you favors, those who can pay you back to your parties. Invite the poor, the lame, the blind. Now, certainly Luke's community, as, as we do, hears that in terms, of course, of physical poverty, financial poverty, physical ailments, certainly, But we also know that Jesus talked all the time about spiritual hunger, about people who were emotionally wounded, about people who, for whatever reason, their life was clouded and blurry at this time. So Jesus is talking about all those circumstances, too. In either case, we're called to serve people and... Let go of them repaying us. That means that we may never see the fruits of our labors, but we're still called to do everything that's available to us for others. Hmm. Letting go of the outcome. I got to tell you what, that's hard for me. Uh, I told you I was super competitive and all that. Uh, This is a place where it is hard to be humble before God. Uh, I I believe it, and I profess it, but it is not native to me. I am of German heritage. Uh, I was raised by, at least in part, by a grandmother who uh, clawed her way through the Great Depression. Uh, I'm one of those people, if I put in a dollar's worth of effort, God, I want $10 worth of results back. And uh, so this is is really hard for me, um, in all seriousness. I can remember when I was young in ministry one time, there was a couple that I was working with, and, and as it turned out, uh, they were going to move away. And, uh, uh, and we, were, we were by no means where I, <laughs> where I thought they should be, okay? I'll just say that bluntly, um, in, in their faith journey and in life and, and all. And uh, uh, I, I literally, I remember their last you know, Sunday, and they, were, they got in the car and drove off down the road, and I... Was, was standing there in the doorway of the church, I remember very clearly, watching that car go out of sight. And, and, I, and I, it, it just occurred to me very clearly that God must have somebody down the road that's going to work with that couple and that that wasn't my job anymore and that I wasn't going to see the results of that. And that was really hard for me really hard for me to be humble in that respect. I, uh, again, when I, was a, when I was a young pup in ministry, I 
had the great blessing of serving under a pastor. His name was Frank. If you've worked with me on ministries, I was even worse then than I am now about having big, elaborate plans. And boy, I had, I had posters, and I had colors, and I had charts, and I had all these things. And, and partially, I was trying to impress him, and I was trying to impress people on the board, and I was trying to impress God. And I, I you know, I, in all honesty, I'd say that, you know. And, uh, uh, but it was hard for, me to, hard for me to dial that down. And uh, God love him. Frank would, uh, would look at all that stuff and, and very patiently, and then he'd say, Well, Joe, because he always spoke real low and slow, that's nice. Can you leave some room for the Holy Spirit? <laughs> so today's reading about humility, about being humble with other folks and, and trying to be gracious and, and then humble before God. Uh, it, it, took, it took a lot of prayer this week to think about what I was going to share with you. And fortunately, the Holy Spirit sent a formula to me. And I actually printed it out, and it's on a poster in my office. And if you've been out to the, my Facebook page, it's actually on my Facebook page. And so I offer it to you just if, if you might find it helpful too, because it's been helpful to me. It is this. The spiritual discipline of humility helps me to see opportunities instead of obstacles. Again, the spiritual discipline of humility helps me to see opportunities instead of obstacles. Here's what that means to me. Instead of seeing someone that I may disagree with on this or that point, as an opponent, if I approach the situation with humility and with graciousness, I can see that person as another child of God who is invited to this heavenly banquet, to this great feast. Instead of seeing poverty or racism or sexism as intractable, I can see opportunities where I might be able to serve and accept those even if for me, my very limited human perception. They seem insignificant at the time. I can receive those and act on them. Now that's humbling, but I also find that empowering because then I can let go of some of my preconceptions and judgments and some of my plans. I can be the disciple that Jesus calls me to be out in the world and in all my relationships role model, bridge builder, hopefully a peacemaker, and I can let God be God and let the outcomes be up to God and let those go. As we go through this week together, I invite you to let some of those key words that we started with sit in your heart, sit in your prayers. I invite you to Look for opportunities to be humble and gracious in your relationships, whether that's in individual relationships or us as a congregation in groups, work, school, wherever. And invite you to be humble before God and see opportunities that come to you to serve those who are in need. Because it is wonderful that we are all invited to the banquet and we all have wonderful seats. Amen.